item number, SCP-6715. Object class, Euclid. Special Containment Procedures The public is to be made aware of unprecedented seismic activity in the Alaskan Range. Denali National Park officials are to restrict access in a 5-kilometer radius around SCP-6715, citing dangerous landslides and glacier outburst floods due to the aforementioned seismic activity. Site-72 has been established at the base of Mount Silverthorne, under the guise of a search and rescue station for the park. Site-72 personnel are to detain anyone entering the restricted area surrounding SCP-6715 for questioning and thorough psychological screening. Members of NTF Chi-17, wake-up call, are to be stationed in the nearby town of Healy, Alaska. Agents are to monitor police reports for any missing persons that are regularly patrolling local hiking routes. If any individuals show interest in going to Mount Silverthorne, they are to be detained, questioned, and administered Class A amnestics. Until the effective neutralization method is devised for SCP-6715-2, the entrance of SCP-6715 is to remain sealed and all personnel are to be denied access. Description SCP-6715 is a large subterranean facility constructed within Mount Silverthorne a summit of the Alaskan Range located in Denali National Park. The facility was previously operated by Group of Interest 014, Prometheus Labs, prior to its dissolution. Recovered documents indicate the facility operated under the leadership of a Dr. Daniel Richards. Prometheus Labs records indicated that Dr. Richards was a long-term researcher who specialized in the study of telepathy and psionics. The facility is laid out in a series of concentric rings, with the outermost rings containing living quarters and offices, while the inner rings contain a series of labs and storage rooms. The innermost chambers of SCP-6715 houses SCP-6715-1 and SCP-6715-2. The walls separating each ring are lined with material resembling SCP-148 in appearance and function, designated SCP-6715-A. The only known difference between SCP-148 and SCP-6715-A is that rather than releasing psionic energy when discharging, it releases tremendous amounts of kinetic energy. It is believed that the creators of SCP-6715-A desired this outcome over the standard release of psionic energy. SCP-6715 is a large mechanical device of poorly understood design. SCP-6715-1 is roughly in the shape of an inverted cone that descends from the ceiling, terminating with a space for a human subject to place the top half of their head into. Through recovered documents, it has been determined that the device serves two primary purposes. To contain and monitor the telepathic abilities of SCP-6715-2. To keep SCP-6715-2's consciousness active and alive regardless of any damage sustained by their physical body. No power source has yet been discovered for SCP-6715-1, though given the length of time which it has remained active, 
and the amount of energy required to power such a device, it is assumed to be anomalous in nature. SCP-6715-2 is a woman in her mid to late 30s, currently contained by SCP-6715-1, suffering from severe malnutrition and muscle atrophy. Their identity has yet to be confirmed. They possess unknown levels of telepathic abilities, however it is currently theorized that they would be capable of bringing about an MK-class end-of-human-consciousness scenario if it were not restricted by SCP-6715-1 and SCP-6715-A. Addendum 6715-1 Discovery On January 24, 2003, a 5.6 magnitude earthquake originating from the Alaskan range was detected. In the weeks following this event, a number of park tourists and residents of Healy, Alaska were reported missing. Suspecting anomalous activity, Foundation agents embedded in the National Park Services initiated a full-scale investigation. Initial searches found some of the missing persons scattered across the less populated regions of Denal National Park, all deceased from hypothermia and exhaustion. Due to a lack of evidence indicating any struggle, it is assumed that the missing individuals have been under a compulsive effect. No progress in determining a source of the anomaly was made until the hospitalization and subsequent interview of a local. Preliminary Interview Interviewer Agent Interviewed Luke Ferguson Forward. On February 26, 2003, Luke Ferguson, a resident of Healy, Alaska, walked into oncoming traffic, seemingly unaware of his surroundings. He was hit by a car moving at non-fatal speeds and was subsequently hospitalized. Following initial treatment, Mr. Ferguson was questioned by the local law enforcement to determine the reason of his behavior. However, Ferguson claimed that he had not been in control of his body during the incident. The officers, who had already been cooperating with Foundation efforts in the area, reported the claim. Agent was sent to interview Ferguson to confirm anomalous activity. Begin log. Agent. So how about you start with what you were doing before all this went down? Mr. Ferguson. Uh, yeah. I was in the middle of my shift down at my store. I was just, uh, sorta, you know, running out the clock. And when exactly did things first seem to be unusual? Um, uh, well I had this song that I kept playing in my head. It, you know, kinda had it stuck on repeat. And it, uh, first took me a while to figure out that the lyrics were starting to get drowned out, uh, you know like they were muffled and underwater. It didn't seem long before the rest of my thoughts started getting hazy, too. How did you respond to all of this? I mean, I was uncomfortable. It was weird. Because normally, even if everything around you is silent, you have your own thoughts, you know? There's always something to listen to, even if it's just in your own head. But this was, like... 
total silence, like dead silence, even in your own head. I uh, think it was about that uh, moment when I lost the ability to panic and when I finally heard, you know, the voice. You heard a voice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess I didn't hear it. It was a, it was a voice in my head. Yeah, I mean, it kind of, it was my voice. It sounded like me, but it didn't talk like me. It wasn't my thoughts that came out of that thing. Do you recall any specifics? I, uh, first thing, it, it made me feel cold. Uh, as if suddenly all the warmth and light around me had disappeared. Uh, and then there was something I just wanted, I wanted to be let out. Like I wanted to be free. Free from what? The cold? Uh, I'm not really sure. I just don't think I wanted to be alone anymore. Did anything else stick out to you? There was this foggy sense of sight that I would get. Uh, almost as if there was like a mountain in my memories. As if I had recently been there and needed to go there. I, I didn't know why though. Uh, that was right around the point when I walked outside the store and uh, into the street and really I never thought I'd be happy to get hit by a car but I think getting knocked out like that might have saved my life. Do you think you could identify this mountain if you saw a photograph of it? I mean, considering how deeply it's been burned into my head, uh, I, you know, I probably could. End log. Closing statement. Following the interview, Mr. Ferguson was shown several images of mountains in close proximity to where the missing persons were found. He identified Mount Silverthorne as the mountain from his memories. Mr. Ferguson and the relevant staff were subsequently provided amnestics and a cover story explaining Mr. Ferguson's hospitalization was put out. On February 28, 2003, a survey team was sent to Mount Silverthorne in order to locate a potential source of the anomalous activity. Upon reaching the base of the mountain, a trail of human and animal corpses was discovered. Subsequent investigation confirmed that the deceased were all individuals who had gone missing within the past week. The trail led to a cave in the mountainside, within which was a large steel door and biometric scanner. Forensics evidence suggests that the deceased had been attempting to breach the door with no success. Upon discovering this, the survey team was called back to allow for a full-scale investigation by proper task force. Addendum 6715-2 Exploration Archived PTF CHI 17 File Task Force Creation Summary Task Force Type Provisional Designation CHI 17 Operational Name Wake Up Call Administrative Head Dr. Simon Pace Commanding Officer, 
Ben Schaefer. Operating Agents 4. Mission Statement. Provisional Task Force Chi-17 has been formed in response to the recent anomalous activity centered around Denali National Park in Healy, Alaska. In particular, the recent discovery of a subterranean structure embedded in Mount Silverthorne has made the need for a dedicated exploratory team clear. Given how little known is about this anomaly, a number of field agents with different specialties have been requested for PTF Chi-17. These include Commander Ben Schaefer, an operative of MTF Zeta-9, Mole Rats, chosen for their experience in traversing unmapped subterranean spaces. Agent Jessica Patterson, an operative of MTF Nu-7, Hammerdown, chosen for their combat expertise. Agent Adrian Rivera, an operative of MTF Row 9, Technical Support, chosen for their experience in developing digital security systems. Agent Samantha Reynes, a field agent with minor telepathic abilities, chosen for their formal training and handling of telepathic anomalies. Assuming there are no complications, PTF Chi-17 will be formally disbanded following the establishment of containment procedures. Access Exploration Log Date March 11, 2003 Supervising Personnel Dr. Simon Pace Site Command Exploration Team PTF Chai-17 Wake-Up Call Forward. PTF Chai-17 was tasked with breaching the sealed entrance previously discovered by the survey team sent to Mount Silverthorne. Their primary objective was to explore the structure beyond in hopes of identifying a source of recent anomalous activity. The team was flown as close to the cave entrance as was deemed safe, leaving the team with an hour and a half trek. Begin Log Camera feed begins. Members of Chai-17 are seated in a helicopter, performing inspections on their equipment and confirming that their helmet cams are filming. Agent Reyes looks out of a port-side window to see a large expanse of snow blanketing the land. Audio transcription below. Agent Riviera This should be working now. Testing. One, two, test. Site command. We read you, Agent Riviera. Riviera. And voila, they're all yours, Captain. Commander Schaefer. Thanks, kid. So how far are we from the LZ? Site command. Should be no more than 20 minutes. Unfortunately, we can only fly you guys so close due to the terrain and weather conditions. It'll be another hour and a half hike after that. Riviera. Sounds fun. Agent Reynes. Are you guys sure we won't get lost down there? Hard to separate where you've been from and where you're going to. It all kind of blends together, you know? 
site command. According to the initial survey team, the bodies make a very distinct trail to the cave. Agent Patterson. Well, isn't that just peachy? Commander Schaefer. Well, seeing as we've got some time to kill, is there any more info you could fill us in on? Anything that wasn't covered in the mission debrief directly? Psy Command. Everything is still pretty shaky. We aren't sure what we're dealing with. Patterson. You evidently knew enough to send a telepath with us. Agent Rayness turns from the window to look towards Agent Patterson, who stares at her for a moment before looking away. Sight Command. We had already suspected a compulsionary effect was in play, and Mr. Ferguson's testimony of what happened was remarkably similar to the first-person accounts with encounters with powerful telepaths. Riviera. So, do we have any proper protections against this thing? I mean, what's stopping it from mind-controlling us once we get close to it? Schaefer. Well, clearly, whatever this anomaly is can't just control whatever it wants. A whole team of people were in that cave, and they all got out just fine. Patterson. Plus, the civilian guy got snapped out of it when he got hit by a car, so if worse comes to worst, I'm sure we'll just knock you out. Agent Patterson playfully punches Agent Riviera in the shoulder. Schaefer. But in all seriousness, that's what we got Reynes here for. She's sort of our secret weapon, in case we come up against something we're not sure of. Riviera. So, what exactly can you do? Rayness. Uh, well, I can't control minds or anything like that. We call those people, uh, active telepaths. Uh, individuals who can directly interact with others. Um, I'm more of what we call a passive telepath, and I'm not particularly the strong one either. I can pick up on, you know, strong empathic signals or detect other telepaths, uh, not too much more than that. Riviera. So you can read how people are feeling? What's that like? Rines. I don't think it's all that different from just reading how someone is feeling normally. Uh, like, most people can tell if their friend is upset or mad or something. It's just sort of like that, except a little bit more accurate. Patterson. So you're telling me you're nothing more than just a glorified mood ring. That's really priceless, you know. Alright, go ahead and tell me how I'm feeling right now. Rayness. It really doesn't take a telepath to know that you don't like me here and don't want me here. Patterson, well, excuse me for not wanting to work around an anomaly. Schaefer, all right, that's enough. It's not my business how you two interact off mission, but right now we're on duty. You are both valuable members of this team, and I expect both of you to treat each other as such. 
command. Now that we know the equipment works, I'm gonna have us disconnect until we land. Don't want to fill the lungs with too much white noise to sift through. Site command. Understood. Agent Renee's looks outside at the white expanse before the video feed cuts out. Cut. Video and audio feed reconnects. The team has exited the helicopter and is observing the scenery. Several corpses can be seen at the mouth of a narrow passageway. Patterson. So I'm guessing this is the path. Schaefer. Certainly looks like it. Renez, you picking anything up? Renez. I... I can't hear anything but you guys. Riviera. That's better than the alternative. Schaefer. Alright. Looks like we've got the equipment we need. We'll stay connected just in case anything unexpected happens on the hike up. Sounds good, Command? Site Command. That would be preferable. Yes. The team begins walking through the narrow passageway, using the dead bodies as trail markers. Over the course of the next 34 minutes, PTF Chai-17 follows the trail of bodies. The team makes occasional small talk, but mostly is preoccupied with safely navigating their way to the cave. Commander Schaefer stops upon seeing a corpse, later confirmed to be a missing civilian named William Barker, age 17. Schaefer. Jesus. This was just a kid. Not much older than mine back home. Rayness. If it's any consolation, I don't think he suffered. Based on our intel and my previous experiences, controlled subjects are often in a sort of trance. They wouldn't have suffered any more than someone who passes in their sleep. Commander Schaefer kneels next to the corpse, closing its eyes. He also begins shuffling through its pockets. Riviera. Uh... Chief, what you doing? Schaefer, I'm looking for something to bring back to his parents. Riviera, I'm not sure how the higher-ups are going to feel about that. Schaefer, they're going to have to deal with it. I'm taking something back. End of discussion. Commander Schaefer finds a photo of William Barker and his younger brother in his wallet and proceeds to place it in his pocket before getting up and continuing on. Schaefer. All right. Let's keep going. PTF Chai 17 continues on the path. Agent Patterson pauses over the body. Patterson. Fucking monsters. All of them. Agent Patterson moves on, and the team remains silent for the rest of the journey. Another hour passes. The cave entrance finally comes into view. Schaefer. Command. Looks like we're here. Command. Are you reading? It looks like we're here. Site command. Good. Please proceed inside. 
Agent Riviera. See if you can bypass the biometric scanner. Agent Riviera. Sure thing. The team enters the cave. Inside is a large pile of recently deceased corpses, beside a large steel door embedded into the cave wall. Agent Riviera takes off his rucksack and proceeds to remove a large device from it. Riviera. Here, uh, Jessica, you think you can set this up outside while I deal with the door? Patterson. What exactly is it? Agent Riviera kneels next to the biometric scanner and begins to remove its paneling. Riviera. It's a remote transmitter. As long as I'm wired into it, it'll make sure that command is still receiving our audio-visual even if the facility would normally block out communications. I just need for you to secure it into the ground outside. Patterson. Right. Okay. Agent Patterson heads outside to set up the remote transmitter. Agent Riviera is able to fully remove the paneling. Riviera. Alright, let's see what we got. Yeah, oh. Uh. Hey, guys. Schaefer. What is it? Riviera. This is Prometheus Tech. Schaefer. And how do we know this? Riviera. Uh, one of the guys in my squad used to work for them. Uh, he taught us all about how to bypass these locks back when they were raiding all those defunct facilities. Rainess. I thought we got the last of those sites back in 01. Agent Patterson finishes setting up the remote transmitter and returns to the cave. Commander Schaefer. Alright, so for all we know, whoever built this place just used Prometheus Tech. But it's a connection worth looking into. Site Command, you think you can have someone comb through old Prometheus files and see if this facility is mentioned anywhere or something in Alaska? Site Command, already getting people looking into it. Riviera. And got it. A large click is heard before the door slides open. Rainus. Nice work. Schaefer. Alright, I'm gonna head up the front, with Reyes behind me, and then Riviera. Patterson, you'll take up the rear. Always keep someone in your line of sight and stick close together. Command, we are proceeding inside. Sight command. Good luck. PTF Chai 17 enters a large circular hallway, with a series of doors lining the outer wall on either side of them. Commander Schaefer begins heading to the left. Agent Reyes begins to follow, but quickly pauses, appearing confused. Reyes. Ah, um... Sorry, what, uh, one second. Agent Reyes clutches her head for a moment before regaining focus. Reyes. Ah, oh, sorry, that was really disorienting. It got really quiet. Schaefer. What do you mean? Reyes. I'm not picking up any signals anymore, not even from you guys. I think I've felt something like this before. The Foundation trains all their telepath to recognize this feeling, uh, 
so we can identify it in the field. It's caused by a metal called telekill alloy. Uh, anybody want to guess who invented it? Riviera. That would be Prometheus. Agent Patterson. So whoever built this place either got a very large donation from our favorite tech company, or Prometheus has a secret facility. Yeah, I'm kind of betting on the latter. Commander Schaefer. Agent Reneas, do you think you are okay to continue? Reneas. Yeah, I'm fine now. It's It just kind of hit me all of a sudden. I... I don't really think I'll be able to use any of my abilities while we're in here, though. Patterson. And there goes our secret weapon. Schaefer. She's still got more experience with telepaths than the rest of us combined. I will say it's up to you, Reness. If you want to keep going, we'll keep going. Otherwise, you can hang back and stay at the mouth of the cave. Reness. No, I, I, I should be good. I want to keep going. This mission is important. Schaefer. Alright. Then let's keep going. The team proceeds down the hallway to their left, stopping at the first door. Schaefer, it's got another one of those biometric scanners. Riviera, do you think you can get this thing open? Riviera, not a problem. Agent Riviera removes the paneling to the scanner and proceeds to deactivate it. Riviera, opening in three, two, one, go. Commander Schaefer and Agent Patterson rush through the door, weapons hot. They scan the room around and find nothing but a bed, a desk, and a poster of a beach. Agent Patterson. It's just a bedroom? Agent Patterson walks over to the desk. And it's completely covered in dust. Uh, probably hasn't been used in years. Schaefer. Doesn't exactly look like they left anything behind. Riviera, go ahead and bypass the next door. See if it's just the same. Riviera, I'm on it. Agent Riviera proceeds to the next door and repeats the process to unlock the door. After one final sweep of the room, Commander Schaefer and Agent Patterson exit back into the hallway and proceed to the next door. After a few more moments, the second door unlocks and the two proceed inside. Agent Patterson. More of the same? Commander Schaefer. Chances are most of these doors will just be more rooms then. Keep an eye out, but let's keep going and see if there's anything different. The team continues along the circular path until reaching a door to the inner wall. Agent Riviera looks towards Commander Schaefer, who gives him a quick nod. He then proceeds to bypass the lock. The door slides open, revealing a small intermediate hallway connecting to a second circular hallway. Upon entering the newly unlocked section of the facility, the team notices another series of doors on either side of them. Agent Riviera Well, they certainly love their symmetry, I guess. Agent Reness Not completely, though. These doors have nameplates on them. Schaefer, go ahead and make sure to get clear shots of the names. We'll let the guys know back at base to cross-reference them along with any known Prometheus employees. 
Commander Schaefer looks towards Agent Rivera and gestures to the nearest door. Agent Rivera moves to the door and proceeds to unlock it. The team proceeds inside, finding a small office space. On the main desk is a computer monitor. Perfect. Something more than a door I can work with. Agent Rivera approaches the computer and proceeds to power it on. Schaefer, what are you doing? Rivera, just looking for some concrete info of what this place actually is. While typing, Agent Rivera swipes his finger across the desk and looks at the accumulated dust. Reynes, if this place has been abandoned for a while, how does everything still have power? Riviera, you're kidding me, right? Prometheus could run a small city for a few decades with just a push of a button. Imagine what kind of power source they'd use for one of these black sites. Agent Rivera accesses the computer's file directory. He then proceeds to download the contents to a flash drive. Riviera. Alright, while that downloads, let's check out the schematics for this place. Agent Riviera pulls up a file detailing the layout of the facility. Riviera. So I'm seeing that this place is evidently called Nirvana. Agent Patterson. Hmm, I mean, I guess it goes with the snowy mountain aesthetic they were going for. Commander Schaefer. Looks like this entire structure is a series of circular hallways. You got personal rooms on the outer, and then offices, storage rooms, and labs. Reynes. Wait, so what's with the chamber in the middle? Riviera. On the schematics, it's just being called the peak. Patterson. Well, now we know we need to go there. Riviera. Wait. Can you maybe just stop for a second before we head there? I mean, uh, why don't we look at this office? Riviera points to an office. It's twice the size of the others and probably belonged to whoever ran this place. If anything, I'd have to say that valuable information could be there. Schaefer, I'll say the kid's got a good eye. Alright, first we head to the office and then to this so-called peak. Agent Rivera removes his flash drive from the computer. The team leaves the room and quickly arrives at the large office. Rivera. I'm thinking this should be the one. Reynes. Door reads, Dr. Daniel Richards. Agent Rivera quickly bypasses the biometric lock. The door slides open. Inside is a large office space. The walls are lined with bookshelves. Notably, one corner of the room has a rocking chair and a stack of children's books. Opposite of the door is a desk and a large computer monitor. Agent Riviera immediately proceeds to the computer. The rest of the team begins scanning the books. Commander Schaefer focuses on the rocking chair in the corner. Commander Schaefer. The hell? 
They had children living in this place? Agent Rayness. Not exactly a healthy environment to raise one. Patterson. Adrian, you find anything useful? Riviera. Way too much stuff to comb through here. I'm downloading as much as I can. Give me just a moment. The team remains silent for the next few minutes. Agent Rainess continues to scan the shelves, pausing at a section dedicated to private publications from Prometheus Labs. The publications appear to cover a wide variety of scientific material, of both standard and esoteric nature. However, the vast majority of the collections is dedicated to the study of the study of psionics. Riviera. Done. Patterson. Okay, good. Can we get out of this room now? Schaefer. Time to go see what this peak is all about. The team exits the room and proceeds to the nearest inner door. They quickly bypass it and continue to head towards the center of the facility, only stopping once they reach the door to the innermost chamber. Schaefer. Alright, this is it. Riviera, get ready to open it. Patterson on me. Rines. Wait, Adrian, you need to shut the last door that we just came through. Riviera. Why? Rines. Prometheus made telekill to contain telepathic threats. This place is loaded to the brim with this stuff, and yet somehow telepathic signals made their way all the way to Healy? If we leave these doors open, we'll basically be opening the floodgates to whatever telepath is on the inside. Riviera. Sealing that door will disconnect me from the transmitter outside and more than likely cut off communications with command. Patterson. Better than exposing the world to whatever is in here. Schaefer. Command will just have to settle for a recording rather than a live transmission. Riviera, seal it. Agent Riviera disconnects from the remote transmitter. AV feed lowers in quality dramatically. He then proceeds to reseal the door. Upon the door closing, the feed cuts entirely. Two hours pass with no further communication from PTF Chai-17. Dr. Simon Pace begins to mobilize a rescue team. After another hour, AV feed from PTF Chai-17 returns. The feed shows Agent Patterson and Rayness carrying the unconscious bodies of Agent Riviera and Commander Schaefer respectively. They appear to be in the second outmost ring of the facility. Site Command. Agent Rayness. Agent Patterson. Do you copy? Agent Rayness. Pace, is that you? Can you hear us again? Site Command. Yes. What's your status? What happened to your team? Rayness. We shouldn't have gone in there. That thing? We weren't prepared for her. I'm not sure what she did to the others, but she had her telepathic grip almost immediately. She was playing with my head and made me experience things that never happened. Site Command. How did you escape? Rayness. She had a lot of power, but she was inexperienced. Just like a kid. There's an old trick they taught us with dealing with stranger telepaths. When you can't deal with them directly, what you can try to do is trap them in their own heads, tricking them to play themselves, 
and if you play it just right, they can't get out of it for a while. I don't think she was quite ready for that one. Psych Command. Patterson, did you experience something similar? Agent Briness. Uh, she hasn't really spoken since we got out. Psych Command. What do you mean? Agent Reynes, I don't think she can talk right now. Agent Patterson looks down. Site Command, and what happened to the others? Reynes, Ben woke up and started screaming about his daughter. He was violent and refused to leave with us, so we had to knock him unconscious. And Adrian just wasn't waking up at all for some reason. Site Command. A rescue team was sent to your location about an hour ago. They have already landed and should be reaching the facility within the hour. Head to the cave entrance and wait there for extraction. PTF Chai 17 exit the structure and wait for the extraction team. Upon their arrival, Agent Reness and Patterson disconnect their feeds. End log. Upon returning to the temporary site established in Healy, Commander Schaeffer and Agent Rivera were sent to the medical wing. Guards were stationed outside the room in the event that they were not stable during their awakening. Agents Reynes and Patterson were held in private quarters until they could be properly questioned about what had transpired. Agent Rivera's thumb drive, which had held a number of files detailing the function and purpose of SCP-6715, was found on his person. More notably, all PTF Chai-17 members' video footage from what transpired inside the central chamber of SCP-6715 was found to be corrupted. Efforts to restore the footage began immediately, 